The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 152. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position heedless. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hello, I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the fourth Doctor story, Terror of the Zygons. Uh, Should we put that echo back in again, maybe? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Joining me today on the panel, as you've heard, are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thank you. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, uh, I want to start off by encouraging you to write a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, which is what it's called now if you have the app on your computer, uh, your new macOS Catalina upgrade. It's, it's no longer an iTunes app. iTunes is dead, and there is now a podcast app. So go into the podcast app, search for Secrets of Doctor Who, and write a review. That We would greatly appreciate that. So we're talking about the terror of the Zygons. Well, we... We recently talked about Terror of the Autons, which was the third yeah. Doctor. Now we're talking about the Terror of the Zygons, which is the fourth Doctor. This uh, this is interesting. It's the first serial of the, gosh, uh, 18th season. I, I, I don't have 12. the exact number. No, or 12th or 13th. 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 Oh, 13th. It was supposed to be the last serial of the 12th season, but the BBC moved it to, to this, this season to allow Doctor Who to better compete against the brand new Space 1999 in 1975. Hmm. They, they I, needn't have bothered. Yeah, no kidding. When I was a kid, I have to say, this isn't, this isn't Secrets of Space 1999 because we will never do that, but I really liked it. Because I, uh-huh. like, uh, I was a kid about who was about spaceships, and the eagles that they had, that they flew, those were the most awesome thing like at the time. This, this is pre-Star Wars, right? So Right. I kind of liked it, but it was uh, really hard for me to watch because it was in syndication and the local stations didn't have it on at a consistent time and I could never find it. And then as an adult, I went back to watch it after it came out on DVD and it's like, wow, is this slow paced? I mean, you may think classic era Doctor Who is slow paced. Space 1999 is really slow paced. (laughs) It's, it's, It's almost unwatchable. It is. It's of its era. Maybe we have an idea for a future podcast uh, series, Secrets of Obscure Science Fiction TV Shows that <laughs> only lasted a season, maybe. We, we could do an episode of Secrets of Movies and TV Shows uh, just on Space 1999, but, but we, we'll see. We'll see. There were a lot of one-season sci-fi shows, especially back in the 70s, like Quark, yes. Logan's Run, mm. all kinds of things. The Man from Atlantis. <gasps> What was and the then, one then with some the, that uh, shouldn't have been some that shouldn't have oh, been only yeah. one season? Thanks, Fox, and, for Firefly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Firefly, but I'm thinking of old ones like the Phoenix and stuff like that. 
What was the one with the, uh, the RV in the in the future post-apocalyptic world? Oh, that's oh. Uh, Arc Two. I believe that actually lasted two seasons. Oh yes, there's some, there's some very <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're way off off base here. Let's get back to Doctor Who. All right. So this uh, serial is the de- features the departure of Harry Sullivan as a companion. He was mm-hmm. the Doctor's companion throughout his uh, the fourth Doctor's first season. And it's such um, a mistake for them to lose Harry because he's such yeah. a great character. The chemistry with him and the Doctor and Sarah Jane is awesome. The fact that they ca- the reason they're letting him go is because they had anticipated an older Doctor. They wanted Harry to be the Ian Action Man Riker function, and they mm-hmm. didn't need him when they, for physical purposes, when they cast a younger Tom Baker as a Doctor. But the dynamic is still so good that they should have kept him. Well, right. and, and the. Well, the fact that he that this was supposed to be the end of season twelve explains why Harry showed up for one serial in season thirteen. Right, right. Well, the other thing that it also uh, explains, if it were the end of season twelve, is that this is the end of the inclusion of Unit as a regular appearance on Doctor Who, and especially of the Brigadier, mm-hmm. who won't be back until nineteen eighty three. So this is nineteen seventy five. He'll be back in nineteen eighty three for. Modern Undead is that I'm not, I that's not one I'm not familiar with. Modwin Undead, I believe. Modwin, be, okay. Yeah. All right, I might so have mistyped that's a it. Peter mm-hmm. Davidson story. Yeah, okay. a pretty good one. People steal Time Lord regeneration technology and things do not go well from there. <laughs> okay. Well, that that's uh, certainly in our future uh, of discussion. Yeah. Speaking of things in our future for discussions, this episode or this story is by Robert Banks Stewart. Mm-hmm. And he is one of the few people to play the Doctor. Hmm. And he gets almost no credit for that. Because there is an episode that's coming up for us, a really good one, called The Brain of Morbius. And Morbius is another Time Lord. And he is kind of a mad scientist. And he he's a disembodied brain, actually. And he's got this weird body that's been made for him. And he and the doctor engage in mental thumb wrestling. <laughs> and on the screen, uh, their faces appear as they are battling. And there's this, and, and Morbius starts to lose. And he says, how far, doctor, how long have you lived? As the doctor's previous incarnations are appearing on the screen. So we see first Tom Baker's face, then we see John Pertwee's face, then we see Patrick Troughton's face, then we see William Hartnell's face, then we see eight more faces, and oh, wow. implying that that there are eight more, at least, uh, incarnations before William Hartnell. And the plan had been to get famous actors to volunteer to come in and be the previous faces of the Doctor, but they couldn't get any famous actors to volunteer so it, <laughs> it ended up ended up being the faces were played by members of the production crew including one of them is robert bank smith the author of terror of the zygons also robert holmes uh one of our favorite <laughs> script writers is one of the faces and so is uh, philip hinchcliffe the producer of this era of doctor who and uh the intention now because they later imposed the Time Lords can only regenerate 12 times without an additional cycle of regenerations thing. The status of these faces is debated, but the production crew has made it clear that these were intended to be the Doctor's previous faces. 
And so there are different theories about how to fit them in. But based on the intention of the production crew, I'm saying they're back there in some somewhere in the Doctor's past. And so the author of Terror of the Zygons has played the Doctor, even if it was <laughs> just for a second. Uh, That's yes. funny. So uh, and like I said, we we, we are uh, losing. This is the Brigadier's last appearance uh, for a while, and last regular appearance. Um, the Doctor is m- sort of moving on from Unit as a regular part of his stories, um, and uh, this also features the Zygons for the only time in Classic Who. This is their only story mm-hmm. in Classic Who. We'll see them again in New Who with the Twelfth uh, Doctor, which is going to be quite a while. And allegedly better makeup, which I don't actually think is better. I like this mm. original makeup better. It looks more organic. It looks less like it looks gooier. It looks less like it's just stamped out of whatever kind of plastic it is. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I like about the, the Zygon look as a whole is everything looks very alien, organic, kind of you know, just very different than anything else that they've done on Doctor Who before yeah. and in some cases even since yeah mm. although their faces have a bit of a jim carrey as the grinch look to them <laughs> i don't know if you noticed that 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 jumped out at me the, oh they do but I, I i still think i like this better one reason i like it better is if you know they've got these little suction cups all over them mm-hmm. in this version the suction cups clearly are not simply stamped out of a single piece of the plastic material they are like glued on, and so they're made of frequently made of a different material that's like translucent, and so they have the opaque body molding with different kinds of suckers stuck on them, and that's that looks more like real biology to me than right. what we get later, and it it looks slimier than the newer ones and all, their whole thing. I mean, they're obviously an aquatic life form, or they wouldn't have these suckers. So that slimy look to them and their technology makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yes, the technology made me uncomfortable. The way that you had to kind of rub it, <laughs> it was <Yeah>. very weird. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into the story itself. So the the premise is it takes place in Scotland. Although I have to point out that none of this was actually filmed in Scotland. It was filmed uh, in in England. I was wondering about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, areas of Sussex and in some other places uh, were, were listed as the locations. Uh, the, the we start with an oil platform in the North Sea. Uh, the the radio man has a Scottish accent. He's on the radio, but in case you didn't catch that, he's also asking someone to send haggis on the next supply boat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every Scotsman <laughs> eats haggis on a regular basis. Uh, anyway, there's I a have big, eaten haggis. Oh, yes. Uh, I'd love to try it. I, I don't know how it would be, but... It's oddly nutty flavored. It has a kind of nutty flavor. <laughs> it's got to be the oats. Yeah. <laughs> by the, by the way, the North Sea oil was a big thing in the 70s. This was a right. big topical thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Post-OPEC uh, oil embargo, this was going to be the way we freed ourselves from dependence on oil. So, yes, it was very topical, and that's why it's here. This is the con- contemporary equivalent of fracking. Yep. Yeah. Okay, good. that's actually a really good comparison, yes. Uh, so the the rig has some sort of mishap and sinks, uh, so we get this big uh, thing. And then we have uh, the Dr. Harry and Susan show up. Uh, they've responded to a message from the brigadier calling them to Scotland you know, to help out. Uh, we, when we first see him, the doctor's wearing a tam-a-shanter, Hat, uh-huh. and a tartan and, scarf. In a tartan scarf. Well, Harry 
is wearing the doctor's scarf, which is and, not fun. And Sarah Jane is wearing the doctor's regular hat. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of fun there. Uh, apparently, the the call when they were called, they, that bit was filmed and shown in at the ending of a TV special called the Di- uh, Disney Time 1975, which was broadcast a few days later. Uh, earlier, I'm sorry, earlier. Um, so it was designed to tie into the beginning of this serial uh, and showed the doctor receiving the message from the brigadier. So, so the idea of like the, the little webisodes that they've been doing now with, with Doctor Who is, isn't a new thing. They just, of course, didn't have the web to do it at that point. Exactly. It's a crossover or a mashup or something. I, I don't yep. know what the content, I didn't find anything about it online, what the content of Disney Time 1975 was, but uh, apparently maybe the doctor is a uh, Disney prince. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, of course, I, I don't know about you, Don, but, you know, I watched this through BritBox, but I wonder if you had the DVD version of this, if it would have that as an insert. Oh, yeah. Jimmy, did you watch this on DVD? Uh, I have it on DVD, but I watched it on Amazon. Okay. All right. So I was that's curious. So, so the yeah, maybe maybe someone who has the DVD could uh, check for us that next time you do and see if that bit is on the DVD. That would be funny. That yeah, would be interesting to see. Yeah. So they've uh, they show up. Uh, they, they get a they get a ride from. Uh, well, before we get the ride, let's talk about because we don't see that part yet. Um, the brigadier is in this village, in the Scottish village, uh, wearing his kilt. He's got native because um, mm-hmm. he he is as he is Lethbridge Stewart. Yeah. He is Scottish. Yeah. And in honor of that, in honor of of that, I am also wearing a kilt right now. Oh, excellent, excellent, nice. Yeah, I'm not wearing any pants. Stuart but that's Tartan, else. so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the so they they're at this inn. The landlord of the inn, uh, named Angus, uh, is is driving everybody crazy with he making a racket playing his pipes in the other room. Scotland the Brave, which is awesome. You, you got to make sure you know it's Scottish. You know, his name is Angus and he plays the pipes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you really can't get much more Scottish than that. Ang- Angus McRanald. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I like how the Brigadier is like chill about the pipes, you know. Oh, yes. It's, it, 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 the, it's, it's driving the other guy nuts. And the Brigadier is like, well, as long as we're in this pub, I can't really stop the landlord if he wants to practice his pipes right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the chief oilman, uh, this guy named Huckle, a Canadian. Uh, is upset. He's lost three oil rigs so far. And meanwhile, the local aristocracy, the Duke of Forgill, who's the, the local landowner, he he doesn't like the oil business. And the oil rigs, uh, we find out, all collapsed at night after having weird radio broadcasts uh, kind of cut off their contact with the mainland. So there's a so that's that's the premise so, there. I, I was trying I, to figure out Mr. Hunkel's accent you know of course you know obviously a british act- actor because one point he oh, sounded no. canadian one point he sounded texan one point he sounded midwestern u.s so actually the actor is canadian yeah i know <laughs> I, I looked it up but well, i actually have, was canadian yeah but i have in my in my notes is huckle meant to be an american because his accent is all over the map and every once in a while he slipped into a kind of a southern texas drawl and then, then yeah. he threw in a couple a's that was my theory: is that is is that he is meant to be Texan because of the oil industry. Yep. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Hi- but Hibernian Oil is the name of the oil company, which is a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So the uh, then we find out that Angus, the the innkeeper, uh, is said to have the second sight because he's Ooh, the seventh son of a yeah the seventh son of a seventh son. Um, hmm. 
which uh, you know, which as apparently makes you gives you you know, uh, second oh, yeah. sight is like ESP, right? Yeah, basically, yeah, premonitions and stuff like that. It and and that is the legend: the seventh son of a seventh son is going to have second sight. Okay. Why oh. it's not seventh sight, I don't know, but that's <laughs> oh, the legend. <laughs> the uh, and then he and Sarah talk about how uh, odd the Duke of Forgill is, and um, Angus tells them that there are evil spirits on Tullock Moor. I do have to point out, by the way, the geography of that they lay out here. Tullock Moor, the Devil's Punch Bowl is a little loch nearby on the o- by the ocean. That uh, Loch Ness is nearby. None of this is real. Like. There's there's no village Tullock by the near Loch Ness. It, it, I looked it all up. Um and and it's You're, yeah, so Loch Ness is not real? Wow. It would Yeah. There's this whole monster mystery. It's all a hoax. <laughs> it's all a hoax, yes. There uh, is no Loch Ness. Wow. <laughs> no, no. Loch Ness is real. There is a village of Tullock, which is a long ways away, but uh, none of none of the geography of how all things are laid out is real. Mm. Um so while Sarah and Angus are talking, we then see that they're being spied upon by some alien, the Zygons. Yeah, they, they have goopy a... Zygon biological spy cam. <laughs> yes, yeah. which is which is implanted in the eyeball of the of the deer head on the wall, which at one point plops like moves down out yeah. of out of place or something <laughs> like the deer's eye. You know, one thing one thing I love though at this this opening part is where. Sarah and Harry and the doctor first come in, and the doctor is just miffed. He's upset about being called out of time and space, but Sarah is just av- absolutely loving it. She's yes. just in total mirth, and just it- it's great to see you bring here. Though I didn't expect to see you in a kilt. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. she's she's yeah, she's enjoying being in Scotland and seeing them all in uh, in their uh, their way there uh, in Scotland. But uh. I think that scene really shows why Sarah was such a beloved companion of, you know, yeah. for throughout Doctor Who history and to this day is still considered one of the most beloved companions because she had, you know, of course she had the intelligence and everything, but also had the humor that could really match Tom Baker's. Right, right. She, she could keep up. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the, the personalities of the actors playing the Doctor often are so big that it was tough to have any companions who could keep up on a regular basis. I mean, the whole, Perry, Sixth Doctor thing we've talked about at length. I mean, she mm-hmm. just is overwhelmed by him. But in this case, you know, the Sarah Jane is the equal of of the Fourth Doctor very clearly here. Right. Uh, hmm. So we have a man who washes up on the on the shore from the oil rig, uh, the the one that just uh, was a destroyed. Survivor is survivor. Uh, Harry finds him, and um, the man manages to tell Harry that the rig was attacked. But before he can say more. Uh, the Duke's man called the Caber uh, shoots the rig worker with his rifle from a distance and then shoots Harry. And uh, and who, this had been set up before. The Duke of Forgill, who we're told has not been the same since the oil companies came. So yes. that's our first clue that something's up with the Duke. Um, yes. That he's warned the oil men in our presence that if their men continue to trespass on his land and poach on his land, they will be shot. And I'm not joking. Right. He says, if my ghillie catches them, then they will be shot. And I'm not kidding. So the ostensible cover for the survivor and Harry being shot is the gameskeeper Caber. And we're later told it's not his real name. It's a nickname because he's a master at the Highland Games where you have caber tossing. It's like a big pole. Telephone pole. <laughs> yeah, that you, yeah. That you toss. 
and this is a big, tall guy, so Caber, and he's the gameskeeper, and so he apparently is, we're meant to think that he assumes that the survivor and Harry are poachers, and so they're trespassing, they're poaching, he shoots them. How that's not murder in British society, I'm not entirely clear, <laughs> Right, but um, there is an, an, an on-screen explanation for, for why this is, so we're not immediately to leap to the conclusion that the caber is actually a Zygon taking human form. Right, right. Spoilers. <laughs> so, meanwhile, the Zygons start some, uh, some kind of machine on their spaceship, which sends out the, that high-pitched beeping noise that summons a creature from the ocean to attack another rig. Uh, this is the, um, the Loch Ness monster. It turns out is, and we'll, we'll get a little more explanation from them in a bit, is um, a Zygon uh, creature. It's yeah. from their planet. Uh, the doctor, you know, recovers some of the wreckage and he sees this huge hole in it as a bite marks from massive teeth and concludes that a sea monster of immense size and power is responsible. Uh, yeah, he uses is, plaster of Paris, just like in Forbidden Planet. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so very nice. Uh, Harry in the, he's, he's actually in the sick bay of the oil company. So he's not at a hospital. He's at the oil company's medical facility. And uh, he starts to recover, but when he does, he and Sarah are attacked by a Zygon, um, which, turn, which who turns out it's the the Zygons are able to take the shape of human beings uh, that mm -hmm. they've capt uh, captured, and so the the creepy nurse nurse <laughs> nurse uh, ratchet. To, yeah, I was going to yeah, say nurse exactly. ratchet from uh, what was the name of one that one flew movie, over but, the cuckoo's nest. Yes, yeah, she's yeah. totally a, a nurse ratchet character. Uh, she's she's a, a secret Zygon. So the doctor rushes over to the sick bay and finds that Sarah is locked in the decompression chamber. Then and so as he goes in, Sister L uh, Lament, I, I I say Lamont because that's what it looks like, but Lament, the nurse, mm -hmm. uh, is uh, is a Zygon. So she locks them both in and turns the decompression on, sucks all the air out, and the doctor has to hypnotize Sarah into a catatonic state so that she can survive. And he puts himself in this state also. And this yeah. is really neat to see the doctor doing a master for us, uh, only <laughs> only in the purposes of good. So Right. <laughs> uh, and they'll eventually be found by uh, be uh, Benton, Benton. The, yeah, the, uh, is he still a sergeant at this point, I think? Sergeant Benton? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I believe so. Okay, you can keep calling him Mr. Benton, which to me is what you call an officer, but Brit uh, maybe British is different. Uh, so Harry, meanwhile, is taken by the Zygons back to their their spaceship uh, for the purposes of putting him in one of these chambers so they can take his form and duplicate him. Uh, now the Zygon uh, Broton. By by the way, when they yep. when Benton finds the Doctor and Sarah, um, he he just instantly opens the door of the decompression chamber. Where well, he has to turn it, it off, doesn't he? It, well, he doesn't. What he doesn't do is bring, gradually bring the pressure back up to normal, <laughs> yes. which is what you're yeah. supposed to do in a decompression <laughs> chamber because that's its purpose, to keep people from getting the bends. And so he just very quickly opens the door, and I can excuse it for the doctor because he's an alien, but I'm going, Sarah Jane has not had a chance to recompress. Right. <laughs> but I can. I, they have kind of what I can interpret as a fig leaf for that because... Benton goes to wake Sarah Jane out of her trance, and the doctor is like, no, 
the spell must be broken properly or it could be fatal. And then he wakes her up and it's like, okay, so that's he I can headcanon that as he's they're acknowledging she didn't recompress and she's been in this special trance, but you have to get her out of it specially. And doesn't he say at this point that it's not like a special uh, Time Lord thing? It's something he picked up from a Tibetan from, monk? Yes. This, uh, mm-hmm. this trance? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Broton uh, explains to Harry that the, their, their ship crashed on Earth centuries ago, and they've just learned, and so they've been hiding on Earth all this time. Wait, and they've awaiting just learned, rescue. Yes, awaiting rescue, uh, that their planet's been destroyed, so rescue is not coming. So now they're going to take over Earth. And he shows Harry the, the, the this massive underwater creature they call the Scarrison, but that we call the Loch Ness Monster, and it reveals to us that the Zygons live off the Scarrison's milk to survive. I know. I love that. <laughs> it's what a weird detail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that, and- that, of course, you think about that. Now, this is their food source, their only food source, and they use it to kill people. To send it out to attack. Risk. <laughs> yeah, well, they've made it an armored cyborg of devastating power, so they apparently right. don't think their milk is at risk. Yeah, they um, can, yeah. I, I like how as soon as they explain that, so a star went nova, and that's what killed their planet, and so they say, therefore, we must make your planet ours, and Harry is instantly like, why? Why must you make this planet yours? And that's the exact solution to the new who Saigon invasion, Saigon invasion, Saigon inversion, that we can actually live together peacefully. They don't have to make this planet theirs. Right. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, this this whole thing, like the, where who constantly has this thing. Well, remember the the Santarans wanted to take over Earth as a breeding planet. Like all these different aliens want to take over Earth and use it as their new home. Uh, and it's like, well, you know, just, we get some spare space over here for you. I mean, there can't be that many of you. Just yeah. live over there. Uh, so back at the uh, the inn, uh, the brigadier and the other unit soldiers are incapacitated by some kind of gas. Uh, later, Huckle will f- will come in and find them passed out. It turns out that the whole village is affected. This, this fog rolls in, uh, and the monster comes out of the fog and uh, takes a big chunk out of one of the unit's uh, soldiers, unfortunately. And uh, this is how the monster manages to get from the lock to the ocean unseen it has to cross over land uh at through near the village in the day the mm-hmm. During, in the day yes um so harry is taken for duplication um we see the nurse the duke and the caber are all in alcoves already um and so zygon harry goes to the inn to get this signaler that they fu- that the doctor found this little device yeah looks, that looks like a what- little organic salt and pepper shaker yes yes and Kinda it's like uh, a little dalek yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, uh, homing beacon for the monster. It's they, they you put it on whatever you want the monster to attack, and when you turn it on, that that's what will happen. So uh, the Zygon Harry you know, goes to get it, shoves Sarah aside, to- uh, totally out of character for Harry. So the, like very clearly uh, not Harry. So Sarah gives chase, uh, and the Zygon is a, is apparently in terrible shape because Harry is. Puffing and puffing as he's running away. Uh, he can't manage to get away from Sarah. Uh, I, just, I thought that was uh, amusing. Uh, he attacks Sarah in a barn. He tries with to hide a, in a barn. With a pitchfork. This is like a crazy game of Clue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has Sarah in the barn with a pitchfork. And uh, he attacks her, falls off the hayloft, and is killed. 
uh, and the other Zygons make him disappear before Sarah can get the unit soldiers to come and see. I, I like the name of this because they, after the fact, they give this Zygon a name. The name is Murdler. And, and, and it's like, did you just take the word murder and shove an L into it? And that's how <laughs> yeah. you got your name. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's like a, it's like a Batman villain name, actually, from yeah, the classic Batman. The Murdler. Exactly. It's the Murdler. Uh, this, so the Zygons, uh, they activate the call signal. The doctors get holding onto this, uh, signaling device and the Zygons activate it to have the monster come and attack the doctor. So he leads it off onto the moor while the brigadier uh, is he sends him to track down where the signal's coming from. Yeah. Uh, what bad luck! The Land Rover that the Doctor is driving across the board mm-hmm. breaks down, so now the Doctor has to take off on foot. And uh, that's very 1970s. I mean, there were yeah. all kinds of cars breaking down like crazy in the 1970s. That's not unrealistic. <laughs> See, he, he should have took one of the left, left-hand left drive Jeeps, because you know it was made in America because it was left-hand drive. <laughs> that's right, right. Left over from World War yeah. II. <laughs> now here we come to a point where I, I that really I I thought was awesome because they've established that that the Zygon technology is part technology part biological and they even mm-hmm. established it for the little salt shaker because it Sarah Jane saw it move on its own it was like crawling along a tabletop and the yep. doctor interpreted it as this is some kind of creature that they've retrofitted to be their signaling device for the monster. And so when he's on the run after he's after the Land Rover is broken down and we see Land Rover very clearly, the corporate logo, you know, on in the front of our screen, when when his Land Rover breaks down, he takes off and runs from the monster and he decides at one point he's not making enough time. The monster is going to catch him and eat him. So he needs to throw the signaling device away so he reaches into his pocket and it bites him and told, when he yeah. It, it, yeah it it he's clearly in pain it's like this thing has bitten him he pulls his hand out and now the salt shaker is stuck to his hand so <laughs> this is exactly what happens when a lancet liver fluke as we talked about in the mind control <laughs> parasites episode of jimmy aiken's mysterious world <laughs> this is exactly what happens when a lancet liver fluke gets inside of an ant it makes the ant crawl to the top of a blade of grass and bite down and hold itself there in place waiting for a cow or a sheep to come along and eat it so that the lancet liver fluke can get into the digestive tract of the cow or the sheep where it completes its life cycle by reproducing. So that's my to- that's totally my interpretation of what is happening here. The Zygons <laughs> have got a have got a mind control parasite inside their salt shaker thing that's making it bite down on the doctor so that the Loch Ness monster will come and eat him so that the liver the Zygon liver fluke can get into the Scarison. into the Loch Ness yep. monster's digestive tract and complete its life cycle. And this theory is totally validated by the end of the episode where the Loch Ness monster eats, eats. the salt shaker. Yep. Yes, it's true. It's true. It it really, really wants to eat this salt shaker, <laughs> the which is also device. signaling it. It's just like yeah. uh, Leucochloridium uh, paradoxum causes the an, an, a snail to come up on the surface of a leaf, and then its tentacles pulsate as a signal to birds to come get it. And <laughs> and that's also happening here with the weird radio signals that are attracting the Loch Ness monster. Mind control parasites in Doctor Who. We that is that is totally it. Uh, so, uh, 
Harry revives on board the alien spaceship, the Zygon spaceship, and manages to sneak out into the control room and saves the doctor by messing with the Zygon controls. He's just grabbing stuff at random and starts twisting the bits. <laughs> it's yeah. just very yeah. weird. When uh, in doubt, the, push buttons at random. Yes. Yep, exactly. Uh, and so the Zygons lose visual contact with the doctor and just assume he's dead. Like, like why would you assume that? That's, I mean, classic, I get it. The, that's the classic the trope, monster. though, is, oh, we can't, we no longer see him. He must be dead. Right. Yeah, I guess. Or the human just unplugged the monitor. <laughs> right, yep. right. So the Brigadier and Sarah Jane uh, figure, figure out that the signal is coming from Loch Ness that, uh, in, the, in the water, uh, the originating signal. And then they find the doctor, uh, you know, on the moor. They track him down. And he identifies the Scarrison as a cyborg. And so he also takes him to Forgill Castle, uh, where, the, you know, the Duke is. And because it's the 1970s, the doctor has to explain to the Brigadier what a cyborg is. Right. Right. A, yes, a combination of organic and um, uh, mechanical. So they uh, they tell. So it turns out the Duke is living there alone. All of his all of his uh, servants have left his service um, because he's a Zygon and he drove them away, which is what you know mm-hmm. what we know. Uh, so it's just him and the Zygon Caber left there. Uh, they tell the Duke that there's a monster in Loch Ness that moves via an underground river to something called the Devil's Punch Bowl, a lake near the village. And from there to the sea, and that it's controlled by aliens because Jimmy, it's always, always aliens. aliens. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> when we do our uh, Loch Ness monster episode of Jimmy's Mysterious World, we'll have to bring that up. The cover for this uh, episode it needs to be that that guy with the wild hair. You know, the meme. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. But it's aliens. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, uh, uh, meanwhile, the nurse Zygon uh, kills. Angus, who had found their bug, he, they yeah. were looking for the bug. He saw uh, the, the deer's eye move, and that, yep. yeah. And uh, so the Zygons had dispatched the other, the disguised Zygon to get it back before it's discovered. Uh, Benton and the other unit soldiers chase the the nurse, Zy- the Zygon, into the woods and shoot her. Sh- uh, yep, wow, like a bunch of times. Yeah. But then this stupid unit soldier lets the nurse Zygon clobber him with a rock while he's examining the gunshot wound. Gee, I wonder how she got a gunshot wound. Uh, you are a unit soldier. You are aware of aliens, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so she gets away. It gets away. Uh, Sarah, now alone in the castle library, looking for information among the, the Duke's library of myths and stories about Loch Ness. Uh, she finds a secret passage and apparently... <clears throat> And and I know they hang a lantern on this, but yes. it's like, why do you leave this woman alone with exactly. your secret panel books, with the trigger up in, apparently, up in the area she's just asked to examine? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and then they comment later, oh, she's more intelligent than I thought. Yeah. No, she just stumbled across something you were too stupid to let her near. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> she's not an idiot, basically. <laughs> like, like, yeah, exactly. Like the is, yeah. So uh, the tunnel leads to the alien ship somehow. Um, that put a pin in that one. There's a tunnel. Maybe there's an airlock or something yeah. into the ship or something. Uh, she finds Harry, but she won't let him out until she's sure it's him this time. And this is um, so awesome. He's like, <laughs> what's the matter with you, old girl? And as soon as he says, old girl, she knows he's not an alien. And for the <laughs> first time ever, maybe, she's happy to have him call her old girl. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. I'm, I'm glad they got it in one more time uh, with for Harry on on the yep. show. 
Uh, so they, they meet up with the doctor and the brigadier back in the library, but the doctor uh, runs past him down the tunnel and they hear him scream, uh, which is uh, uh, amazing. And then the Zygons appear to say that they're leaving and they're taking the doctor with them. Uh, for so, reasons. For reasons. Yep. Uh, and this uh, naturally leads to the de- brigadier deciding, we need to start death charging the lock. <laughs> and yeah. I have to say, the the explosive effects of the of the death charges were pretty darn good. They were dropping yep. some serious uh some serious TNT in the water wherever they were filming that. Oh yeah, you can watch the physical non CGI birds flying off in a panic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, it was uh, there was some pretty serious uh, explosions in that water. Uh, so the Zygon ship takes off out of the comes up out of the lake and heads south and lands elsewhere but in a quarry because in a quarry of course they always they always have to land in a quarry if they're not in underneath a lake and it's so great that we've we have a disused quarry that is doubling as a disused quarry (laughs) you actually see the quarry equipment sitting there yes it's it's not an alien planet it's a quarry so uh by the way during this sequence of events um we get an explanation for why the oil rig attacks because i've been wondering that and the Broton, the Zygon leader, explains that they were a test of strength for the monster to see could it do something that powerful. And now that they're convinced it can, they're going to use it for their big mission, which is what's going to make them masters of the planet. Because you might wonder, right. okay, if you're going to become masters of the planet by destroying oil rigs one at a time, it's going to be a while. Yeah. <laughs> But apparently they are like the most patient alien race ever. They've been waiting for pickup for centuries. Um, So maybe that would be okay by them if it takes four centuries for them to destroy our global energy supply and bring us to our knees. Um, (laughs) Also, and this pertains to the unit dating controversy. Does this happen in the 70s or the 80s? Um, when the brigadier is talking to his superiors, he gets yes. a call from the prime minister, mm-hmm. and pronoun usage indicates the prime minister is a woman. Yep. Well, Margaret Thatcher did not become prime minister. Of, she was England's first prime minister, the UK's first prime minister, female prime minister, and she didn't become prime minister until 1979. Yep. So this is a 1975 uh uh, story and, and when it was broadcast. Uh, she was head of the Conservative Party at the time, but not yet prime minister. And so that's a clear indication this is meant to be said in the future when Britain did have a woman prime minister because they hadn't at this point. It would be like having a story on American television with a woman president. That hasn't happened yet in America. So it mm-hmm. has to be the future or an alternate reality. Right. So I I thought that was interesting, and I also wondered if they were suspecting that, you know, we've got a female head of the conservative party and they could come to power again one day. It might be her. So we might be entitled to infer that it is Margaret Thatcher he's talking to. Yep. Yes, yes. Or they saw the second sight and saw the future. Yeah, Uh, exactly. So the the Zygon of Broton does what all villains do, and he starts monologuing to the Doctor to reveal the plans to shape the Earth to be more like the lost Zygon planet and make it a home for Zygon refugees who are due to arrive in, oh, a couple centuries. So they yeah, get time. Very patient alien race. Very yep. patient. Uh, the doctor uh, manages to short circuit the comm system on the uh, the alien spaceship t- to send a signal that unit can track, uh, but he ha- he becomes the, the fuse or bridge between these systems yeah. uh, and ends up... Because uh, they're they biological. Think he's dead. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. 
so the, the he he looks pretty much he's uh, mostly dead, uh, yeah. at, as the uh, <laughs> Miracle Max would say. Um, but and when he wakes up, it's like, ooh, I'm alive, cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, Broton leaves the the ship to go place the activator on whatever their target is going to be. Turns out that the Duke of Forgill, uh, the real Duke of Forgill, is the head of the uh, Scottish Energy Commission, which mm-hmm. makes his opposition to oil drilling very strange. Uh, well, that nobody noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Also, the real Duke of Forgill is much, much nicer than the Zygon Duke of Forgill. Yes. 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 It turns out. And uh, so what he's going to do is place the activator and have the uh, the Scarrison attack this meeting of uh, representatives from uh, oil producing company countries the, from all over the world. Uh, and not just oil, but it's the first international energy conference. And it's going to ah. be held on the Thames and at Stanbridge House. So the monster can get right up to it easy using the Thames. Mm-hmm. And it's of crucial importance because it's the 1970s or is it the 80s? And we have an energy crisis on. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we did, but both. So uh, uh, the doctor manages to release the Duke and the Caber and then sets off the fire alarm on board the, uh, the alien ship <laughs> and yeah. starts causing havoc, including setting the self-destruct. Uh, and they manage to get out just in time before... The this huge I, ship I, I, and the brigadiers and the brigadiers suitably impressed by the size of the explosion. Yeah, yes. I love how the doctor. You know, they get into the control room after they pulled the fire alarm, and they've locked the Zygons out of the spaceship control room. And the doctor turns to the real Duke of Forgill, the real Nurse Lamont, and the real Caber, and says, "Do you know what this is?" Gesturing to a panel, and they're like, "Of course not. You tell us. It's a <laughs> self destruct device, and it works like this." Yeah. <laughs> now run. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, Sarah, Harry, and the brigadier and the unit soldiers show up just as the doctor and the others got clear. Uh, they realize that the prime minister is headed to this first world energy conference meeting in, in on the Thames, and so uh, they need, and and because the real Duke of Forgill could get inside as the head of the Scottish Energy Commission, the fake one can get inside too. So uh, they. They get to the building and they're searching, and the doctor and Sarah corner Broton in the basement where he and the the doctor brawl. They have a nice uh, mm-hmm. little uh, fight going on there, uh, and the brigadier shows up and uh, kills the Zygon by once again using that that uh, that's very iconic uh, brigadier shooting style of shooting from the hip. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I love how the brigadier just shoots low from the hip. He's so accurate. Incidentally, Broton is killing people in his Zygon form just by grabbing them. And it's yeah. like he kills a unit soldier. He's not strangling him. He's just touching him, and the guy dies. Yeah. So, well, oozing, so suckers. Oozing organic slime or something on him with yeah. poison in it, maybe. Or literally sucking the life out of him. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, maybe they're related to the uh, those the salt vampires on Star Trek. Mm. You know, they, there you they, go. They could be. Yep. So uh, the so the doctor discovers the activator in his pocket. The uh, the the Broton snuck it in there. Must be some kind of pit pocket trick. And uh, so he takes it to the roof and throws the activator at the Scarrison, which is now attacking Stanbridge House. This big monster coming out of the Thames throws well, it at the Scarrison, which he throws it. it past it. He's playing fetch with it, and then yeah, it, yes, it gets yeah. it and eats it. Yes, and then goes away. Like bye. <laughs> like yep. Well, we have a big sea monster rolling around in the in the goes back to Loch Ness. Yeah, well, yeah, back to Loch Ness. Uh, the and so to finish things out, the Doctor takes the Duke and the Brigadier and Harry and Sarah to go back to see the TARDIS up in Scotland. And uh, Harry says he's staying behind. He's done traveling. It, it's very sort of perfunctory. 
it's yeah. not it's 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 subtler than that uh the doc yeah. they're all planning on going back to london but the doctor says i right. can get you there five minutes ago but the right but sarah jane is the only one and her hesitantly willing to right. take him up on the offer so this and in story harry was not meaning to leave the crew at this time he was he is just we're all going back to london but yep. the doctor is going to take the tardis the, the and, three the three of them are taking the train and the doctor is taking the taking the tardis in, in right. theory now Sarah, odds yeah. odds on the tardis actually landing in london in the next story <laughs> yeah, very low spoiler so, alert zero <laughs> yeah, Sarah does say, just a minute, Doctor, I thought you couldn't do that, which is go directly to London and be there five minutes ago. He says, of course I can. <laughs> and uh, he says, and they bring, he says to the Brigadier, coming? No, thank you. <laughs> and Harry says, I think I'll stick to it. And Sarah even hesitates for a second. And then she says, providing we go straight back to London. Oh, yes, we will. I promise. Yep. <laughs> and then I like the, what the Duke says here, too. He says, um. Uh, well, I'll be. Do they have return tickets? Like, did they already have tickets back to London on the train? And the Brigadier says, yes, I imagine so. And the Duke says, you should have taken them and got your refund, man. You should have got a refund on those tickets. I thought you were a Scotsman. (laughs) (laughs) A frugal Scotsman would have taken those return tickets and got his money back. Uh, so that's good. So, uh, and that's, uh, that's where we end. And, you know, we're presumably the next time, as you say, Father Corey, uh, they don't go back to, to London, not for a while. So uh, that's the end. So would, would you have any other notes that uh, we didn't cover? Anything left, that, just, uh, Father Corey? Just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I got a kick out of Sarah. You know, definitely showing you know, an episode of the time. She's sitting there with a, a manual typewriter, and she's got the eraser pencil. And if you've ever done you know typing before, we had you know correction tape. You remember those eraser pencils that you had to mm-hmm. you know you you, script, you you rubbed it out, and then you had the eras- little brush on the other side. So she had that stuck in her mouth as she's typing. Uh, this isn't the the only time that we see the Loch Ness monster in Classic Who, uh, there's an upcoming sixth episode, sixth Doctor episode called Time Lash that has a different explanation of an earlier Loch Ness monster. <laughs> so, so that's something forward to look, something to look forward to. Except the episode is not worth looking forward to. Trust me. Sarah Jane Smith mentions meeting the Loch Ness monster in School Reunion, the the episode where she's the tenth Doctor episode where she's. Her oh, yeah. and Rose are going at it. Who's had the best adventures with the doctor? You know, and she mentions meeting the Loch Ness Monster. So we're obviously referring to this. I did look up uh, while we were talking. The reason why Benton is being called Mr. Benton, not Sergeant, he has been promoted to warrant officer, which that oh. is the proper title for a warrant officer is Mr. Um, yes. But he is then also known as Regimental Sergeant Major. So a little mm. bit of confusion there. Yeah, and then I love the pun the doctor throws in when they discover the bugs have been taken from the uh, the mount, and he points to the eye and says, "This is where it was hidden." You see, as he's pointing to the <laughs> yeah. eyes. Yeah, right, right. The eyes that are missing. Uh, all right, thank you, and uh, Jimmy. Do you have any last uh, thoughts? So, if I was ever trapped in a decompression chamber that was decompressing, my first thought would be, "Let's stop up the vent and preserve the air that is in here." But they didn't think mm. of that. Apparently, yeah, yeah. They didn't true. even try. I also thought that the even though I I like the Zygon technology and costuming in this. In fact, I like the costuming better than the later costuming, as I mentioned. The least successful thing in terms of of that is the Loch Ness monster itself. 
we never get a full body shot of the thing because it what they have is not that successful and it would be worse if they gave us a full body shot it's clearly a stop motion animation yeah figure yeah it is it is kind of reminiscent of Ray Harryhausen's stop motion but it's yes. not it's the least successful thing is the creature design but i did like the fact they were trying Mm-hmm. Because if you if you look at the Loch Ness monster, not only does it have articulate jaws, so it can open and close its mouth, it also has articulate eyes, so it can yep. look in different directions and it can move its eyes in its skull. And that shows that even though they didn't have the budget to do this really great, it's not as great as Ray Harryhausen, even though it does feel like Ray Harryhausen. They are trying with the budget they have to do as good as they could because they could have just had a puppet head. And left it at right. that, like a drashig, right. and um, and they didn't. Yeah, I, I, even as sort of cheesy as that effect was, I really liked this episode. I loved the pacing; it was good pacing. Uh, the humor, the story, I thought a lot of that was was really well done, and I was very happy with it. Um, with the with how it all came out, so it was a, it was a lot of fun to to have yeah. uh, this story, and then um, yeah. So that's, that's and I, I don't I don't think we mentioned, by the way, the name of the Loch Ness Monsters was a Scarison. Yeah, Don yeah. mentioned that. Oh, yeah. yeah. OK, I, I mentioned which, it, which which is oddly similar to the word Saracen, which was a word uh, that has resonance in British history because it was the word that was used for the the people the Crusaders were fighting. Yes, yep. those were the Saracens. And so they've changed it to Scarison. And Saracen, as a result of the Crusades, has has ha- tended to have a negative connotation. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, there are like with stone circles, the the stone big stones are sometimes called um, sarsens, and it's thought that that may also be derived from mm-hmm. Saracen because farmers would have these big stones they had to deal with in their fields, and it's like, oh, that Saracen stone, that Saracen stone. <laughs> uh, so Saracen, scary Saracen, maybe. Okay, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's wrap things up. I, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Laura H., Dave D., Catherine O., Rhea B., and Jack D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, so that's it from us. What did you think of the fourth Doctor's story, Terror of the Zygons? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or at the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or sending us an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 10th Doctor story, The Stolen Earth. That's the uh, penultimate episode of the fourth season of the of the. Uh, the new who. So until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Well, thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, you can't rule a world in hiding. You've got to come out on the balcony sometimes and wave a tentacle, if you'll pardon the expression. Right. This is going to be fun.